Welcome again, listeners, to episode two of Cloud Profits. This is your host, Mohammed Ibrahim. We have a great episode for you where we continue to dive into how to prosper in the tech industry and bring you actionable information on the latest in tech jobs, working independently, and launching your own startup. Because this is one of the episodes tackling tech jobs, uh, I just want to start by saying, if you're looking for a new job, and you're still receiving those we moved forward with other candidates emails, I want to tell you about a special rejection call that I received few years ago. At the time, I was at the Bay Area, towards the end of a four-week visit, where I've interviewed with uh, a number of companies and received as many rejection emails. That day was different, though. I was excited. It was the day after I finally received a great offer to work with an awesome and exceptionally talented team. I was checking my voicemail later that day, and there it was, another rejection. The funny part was, it came from a smaller company that was offering a smaller compensation package than the one I've received just a day before. I'm not sure how I would have felt had this happened before I received an offer the day before. All I know is that I felt appreciation for the person for calling instead of emailing and for having a very supportive tone in her voice. I replied with the nicest email, thanking her for her gesture. So, take it easy. Rejection will continue, even after you've received a great offer. Just keep processing those rejections with your head, not your heart. It goes without saying, rejections will never bother you once you get an offer. And you won't even remember them while killing it at your new job. So never let them wear you out. Maybe because we're talking today about tech jobs, you're probably expecting mentions of resumes, cover letters, LinkedIn, lead code, and all that jazz. And they are important. But I want to fast forward to an interview, uh, a real success story that might fly in the face of all that. And as promised in the last episode, we'll also go through some important resources, but after this amazing interview. So without further ado, today I'm speaking with Mohammed Qureshi. Mohammed, welcome to Cloud Profits. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I'll start by introducing myself. My name is Mohammed Qureshi. I'm a full stack developer and uh, I've been doing this for almost a decade now. Um, currently, I uh, work for a large telecommunications company. They provide uh, services to uh, Canadian uh, telecommunications providers, various large ones. And uh, I'm a lead developer there. I work with two junior devs, um, mostly doing refactoring and uh, rewriting some of the older code, older microservices that are there. Um, and on the side, I also have my own company, Phazon Corp, and uh, I provide services to uh, contract services to a bunch of different uh, clients, and I've been doing that for 
five, six years on the side. Busy man. What kind of tech stack do you use and how does your, your work day look like? My current employer, uh, I work with Vue.js on the front end. Um, the, the microservices, like the, the back end is mostly Node.js. There are uh, some services written in Python, uh, handling some of the heavier stuff. Um, and there's, uh, there's some external services that we use uh, to help with like call routing and things like that. Um, and I've been mostly doing things around, uh, refactoring, like cleaning up some of the code. It's not very well written. Um, so I'm trying to modularize things, standardize things, um, help with some of the queries that are slower, uh, making them more performant, making the code more scalable. Uh, because there's a lot of scalability issues here. So I'm trying to help with that. Um, and that's mostly my job, like like doing things on a more lead level. So like on a higher level, uh, viewing the application and trying to uh, make a better standard and uh, trying to give a sort of a direction on how we should do things uh, for the whole team. Okay, great. So you're self-taught developer. How did you start and how you got here? Yes, I am a full uh, self-taught developer. Uh, been doing this uh, for about a decade, as I said. Um, I started uh, at a call center um, and I had the opportunity to uh, look at uh, web developer as a job um, from there. I got an opportunity to work on some websites uh, for our internal team and uh, that that led me to um, look into JavaScript because I was writing HTML and CSS so obviously the next step was JavaScript so I got an opportunity to do to, to write some JavaScript and then I thought about maybe starting this as a as a career uh, there they of course had their own development team um, focusing on other stuff more important stuff uh, so I, I got to do some shadowing as they call it so I, I got an opportunity to meet the team and look how, see how they work um, and and then I, I came up with some ideas on tools that I could build for my team internally that they could use uh, to help with the with the calls that they take or uh, look at stats, um, individual performance. So I built, I wrote the the code for that mostly on my own time, on my own personal time at home, uh, and then I shared it with my uh, supervisor, my immediate manager, and um, they were very supportive. They, they showed it to other managers and everybody was was in and they allowed time for me to do this off the, the calls. So I got opportunity to um, part of my day uh, develop this uh, this application or applications um, and then I, I got uh, the, the opportunity to share this with the, with the different call centers that we have 
Canada wide. Um, so we had various teams that were using these tools, and uh, and that was pretty amazing for me. Um, that that helped me write on my resume that hey, I've done, I've been able to do coding here, so I have real life experience writing code. I also did some coding for nonprofit organizations. Um, it was just a, an opportunity or a way for me to write code that that would eventually get used by some companies so I could have some reference, I could have some experience that I could put on my resume. And uh, that way I could position myself as a self-taught developer who has real life experience and is ready to move on to a real role. Wow. What a journey. Let me ask you about your first developer job. How was the interview like and how much were you paid then? Kijiji, if you can believe it. You, you found the job listed on, on Kijiji. For, for those outside Canada, Kijiji is what Craigslist is in the US and other countries. Uh, they obviously have classified ads and they advertise uh, some some jobs. So you found a job on Kijiji. Uh, what did you do? Um, I uh, sent my resume out and then got an interview. Um, interview, compared to most interviews, I felt it was very... Um, uh, it was very relaxed. It didn't seem like a res uh, like a like an interview. It seemed like more like a conversation, um, which was awesome. I, I really liked that approach. I didn't feel like uh, I was. I didn't feel as nervous as I would at other interviews. Um, so yeah, it was really relaxed. They showed me the application. They asked me if I could do the work. They asked me, you know. Um, what kind, what experiences I have, um, what was my most difficult task, and how did I, you know, how did I take it on, how did I solve the problem? So just my my approach, how do I take, uh, how do I um, problem solve, think about things, um, and uh, and yeah, when I got the the first offer, uh, I could not believe it because my thought was that hey, you know, I'm making about. $40,000 as a call center agent. Maybe I'll make 30,000 as a junior dev and you know I'll wor I'll work my way in like you know I got to get my foot in the door and once I do that everything will go go up from there. Uh, but I couldn't believe it like the the first job offer I got uh, the email I got it was for 72,000. So that was like I thought I became a millionaire pretty much. It was, it's such a big jump. Uh, it's almost double my salary. So to go to that, um, I was really excited. I, I couldn't believe it. At first, I thought it was meant for somebody else, and they mistakenly sent it to me. That was my honest feeling when I first saw that email. That's amazing. You have no idea how happy I am with how much you're willing to share with our listeners and how genuine you are in describing the details of how it felt like. So, how were you able to learn all those new skills by yourself? The thing about my first job was that um, I was hired to take on an existing application, um, which was written mostly in jQuery. Uh, 
to end. Um, and then there was a version 3 of that application, which was written in AngularJS. And so this, um, it, it, I, I had to be able to learn AngularJS. And that was a, I had no idea how MVC frameworks work. And I never worked with anything like that. Uh, I worked with simple JavaScript and jQuery that I wrote on my own. So, so coming into this organization, they have like, proper, um, at least the, the, the version 3 was written very well and it was very modularized and it followed all the good patterns of, of AngularJS. Uh, so for me that was, um, and obviously you may have heard this, like AngularJS, there's a steep learning curve for that. It's, it's a very good framework, I really like it now that I understand how things work, but there was definitely a steep curve and there was a lot of stress at first, not from the company, but from myself because um, I felt like you know I should know this and they're paying me a lot and I need to be able to do my job instead of um, you know lagging behind. So uh, there was a lot of learning, of course, again at home, um, me trying to uh, follow tutorials, um, go to the website, watch videos just trying to learn and understand how AngularJS works. And there was a lot I had to learn. It wasn't just about AngularJS. It was, it was, I was, I was changing OS. I was going from Windows to a MacBook because I, I needed a Unix system that worked well with a lot of the tools that you need for um, building these web applications. And Unix works best. Windows, especially back then, there was hardly any support for Windows. Um, you were on your own pretty much. And that's what the devs there said, you know, if you're going to use Windows, you're on your own. So I had to switch to Mac. I had to uh, understand how the OS works. How does the terminal work? How do you use the different tools? How do you use, you know, basic terminal commands? There was so much to learn. And I was excited. I was, I wanted to learn. Uh, it was just a lot of stress because of there, there was so much I didn't know. Um, but I, eventually I did learn and I'm, I'm glad I went through all that hard work and all that stress. It was worth it. Now I look back, um, I am completely happy that I, I went through it because once you go through all that hard work and all that difficulty, it, it definitely pays off. Of course. Well said. So then you learn all those skills and you're ready for your next job. How different was your experience when interviewing as a front-end developer and later on as a full-stack developer from the typical tech giant interviews, which we're accustomed to today? Uh, the whiteboard code challenge, the system design questions, and so forth. Did you have to go through this path or were your interviews more relevant to the actual pos position you're interviewing for? I feel like most of my interviews are, um, I don't, I don't prepare for them. Honestly, I don't, uh, I don't go read JavaScript again or, you know, what are the most common, uh, questions asked or, you know, things like that. I, I, I really don't. I, I am just honest. I just, I'm just being myself. And I go into those interviews and I try to treat it like just a conversation. And I have to just 
try to sell myself. I try to get, I try not to be nervous. I try to be calm about it. Um, and I am also upfront about the fact that, you know, I, I prefer not to be put on the, on the spot and have to write code in front of everyone. Uh, I prefer a different approach, which, um, which is how I've been, um, uh, interviewed in the past. Most of my interviews have been where they send me an email with a, you know, a, a small, uh, simple, um, task that, that I have to complete. And it's just a small, simple project and it's, it helps them see how I write code. What is my code like? Why do I like write it this way? You know, it gives them an opportunity to ask questions, um, and see my work. And that's, that's fine by me. I don't, uh, as long as it's not something really big, um, you know, something I can, I can make up in a, in a night or two, then I'm, I'm fine with that. And that's how my experience has been. So I'll, I'll send, submit the, uh, the task and then I'll come in for the interview and I'll be, um, you know, there'll be a couple of people, a couple of devs around, uh, they'll review my code, <clears throat> ask me some questions about why I did it a certain way. Um, other interviews, it's been, and I think this is more of like at the senior level at, at this point where uh, I've just been asked questions about my experiences, uh, trying to, they're, they're, I guess, trying to identify, you know, how do I think, how do I solve problems, what happens when I get into a difficult problem, um, how do I handle stress, you know, those kind of things. Um, and of course, I have references. Makes sense. I believe the vetting process and interviews vary widely. It depends on the type of company and the type of role you're interviewing for. We'll dedicate at least a full Cloud Profits episode to talk about what you can expect from each type of company, being a startup or a tech giant, etc. So let me ask you, to what extent does a well-written resume, good cover letters, complete LinkedIn profile, etc., help you in landing jobs or moving up in jobs? As far as my resume goes, I think uh, it has changed a lot. I mean, uh, the way I had my resume and the way I have it now, I feel like is a day and night difference. Um, and I think um, what you need to do on your resumes uh, is to write resumes that that are you know, intriguing, they're you're trying to sell yourself, you're advertising yourself, and I think that's what you have to remember. So how do you advertise yourself? You have to look at your past and what what have you accomplished, what have you achieved, you know, what sets you apart, what makes, um, you know, and it can be simple things that when you're starting out. It doesn't have to be, you know, that you, you helped a company make a million dollars. You can start by saying, you know, like you helped companies save money by doing this. Or you help simplify, you know, the, the tech stack by doing another thing. Um, or you helped write a framework or a library or a tool for, for the company uh, to use. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of things when you think about it you can write to show that you help the company in these different ways. And I, that's how I write my resume now. When I'm at a company, I am achieving goals. 
and that's what you need to do. Um, that's going to help you in, in multiple ways. But you need to look at, okay, how can I set myself up for success at this company? How can I help this company um, become better? And that not only helps you write things in your resume, it also helps you to uh, set yourself up for a raise. So um, you can you can uh, make a list of all the things you've done to help this company, and then you know six months or one year down the road, you can talk to your uh, manager or director, whoever, and you can explain to them, hey, you know, these are the things I've achieved. Uh, these are the things I've helped this company with, um, and now I'm looking for a raise. Um, and that can that is your supporting document um, proof that you know you deserve a raise. And of course. You know, if you're not sure what you should be doing at the company, then definitely you need to you need to have that discussion with your manager, supervisor, whoever, uh, about about uh, what it is that this company values. You need to identify what is going to help you move to the next level. And also, I like to take on jobs where I have to learn new things because that puts stress on me to have to learn those new things because that's what I need in order to be able to do my job. And that has two different factors. Like not only do you learn new things on the job, you're getting paid to learn those things. So it, it forces you, it puts you in that habit that you got to keep always keep learning, but at the same time you're getting paid and it's investment in yourself, which tomorrow pays to help you grow. This is some some great advice, and and uh, I appreciate you sharing this strategy uh, with us. I the best part of 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 this advice is it's real and it has worked for you. I I know that you in the past few years you were able to to double your salary, uh, and thank you for sharing this advice with with uh, our listeners. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> we have more questions for you than we can fit in in just one one episode. Uh, but we'll definitely have you again on the show and to share uh, more awesome advice uh, with our uh, listeners. So thank you so much, Mohammed, for uh, coming on the show. Uh, listeners, uh, that was Mohammed Qureshi, a senior stack developer in Calgary, Alberta. Now, as promised, here are some resources that I feel would help you if you're looking for a new job or an internship. The first resource is a planning resource. Remember, in this episode, we're starting from the very beginning. Most people know Cracking the Coding Interview book by Gail Lackman McDowell as the book that helps you solve interview coding problems. But it has some very useful planning uh, chapters, uh, mainly geared towards interviewing at tech giants, but I believe they are useful for uh, planning a career uh, at any level. It takes you through what you should be doing even a year before the interview up till the night of your interview. 
not sure if the writer is still doing this, but Facebook used to invite her to address new candidates. Uh, I've attended one of her live lectures with Facebook, and I find it fascinating how she's able to address, as an interviewer herself, the behavioral, technical, and system design interviews. So that was about preparations. Now let's talk about finding the jobs that we will interview for. Usually this starts as an online search, but the resources that uh, we're going to talk about are a bit different than your usual indeed.com, Stack Overflow, LinkedIn jobs, and the likes. The idea here is that many companies use recruitment suites to handle job applications and that's where they advertise new jobs first at their career section, at their own websites. So one website to use to browse companies in Canada is elota.ca, which crawls Canadian companies' websites for new jobs. Elota has the usual the advanced search and saved searches and email notifications. I'm going into Elota now and you can see how recent the job posts you find in there. But even better, they have an RSS feed that you can customize with your own search terms. Uh, you add your search keywords here and uh, the ones that you want to exclude uh, over here. If you're not already using an RSS reader, uh, I like Inu Reader. Uh, they have a free tier and they automatically create a global RSS feed for you. If you want all the feeds you subscribe to to be combined in a single RSS feed. And it has a modern look and a feel to it. Now, for US jobs, I don't have a website that does what Elota does, but here's an effective way of finding jobs posted in US companies' websites. We already know the recruitment suites that most companies use. Uh, what we're going to do is just limit the search for subdomains of those recruitment suites. Here's what I mean. In Google search, we just write site, colon, star, then the domain for the recruitment suite. So, for example, site colon star dot workable dot com. Then you add your search keywords and exclude the words that you don't want to see. Of course, uh, prefixing it with a hyphen. And you can do that with other domains as well. Uh, I have listed those domains. So, uh, if you need them, uh, just send an empty email message to thecloudprofits at gmail.com. Uh, I know Cloud Profits was taken, so thecloudprofits at gmail.com. It's an auto-reply address. It will reply with the link to the page with all the resources mentioned in today's episode. And with that, we come to the end of this episode of Cloud Profits. If you feel you're getting value from these episodes, then consider subscribing to the Cloud uh, profits channel so as not to miss any new content you can also browse the channel for previous episodes until the next episode bye bye